0: From Relevant Magazine, it's The Relevant Podcast.
1: This ghost town. This
2: house is falling apart. It's the week of September 23rd, 2011, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Maya Strang. Hi. To her left, Josh Louanne Loveless. Hey, people. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Yo, yo. And our illustrious <laughs> producer on the ones <laughs> and twos, Chad Michaels-Navely. Hello, friends. I wasn't planning on being part of this podcast today. No. I was supposed to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma right now. Hmm.
1: Josh is, very, it
2: up. Josh is very upset.
1: Yeah, I had, had to bring a slice. He had a whole show plan. I had a whole thing. I had this elaborate. There was bling. I there were like I dancers that were going to It be was involved. like a big variety show. Yeah, there was yeah. a marching like band. Like the
2: Brady Bunch variety hour. Like yeah. when they did the singing and dancing. There's a gong. Some magic
1: tricks. Yep. <laughs> I had a Christian uh, illusionist that was going to come to the podcast.
2: Audible magic tricks.
1: Yeah, I had to cancel this whole smorgas- magic smorgasbord. <laughs> <laughs> I had a buffet of entertainment for right. our listeners. Well,
2: now people are going to be wanting me to be out of town again. Well, I'm just saying. The podcast should not get better when I'm gone.
1: <laughs> Every
3: time. Josh hasn't slept in four straight days she been prepping.
1: I know and all of a sudden I get an email Cameron's not going out of town everybody well is- no okay I got okay so last night I'm
2: not going to go in the whole thing but I had a connection I'm flying to Tulsa I had a very short layover my flight was delayed I missed my connection and they couldn't have gotten me there in time for the meetings the next day. And so I just flew back home.
1: It you was, basically flew to the Atlanta airport.
2: I was in right? the, Yes. <laughs> but then I ran while I was there. So I was only in Atlanta for about 18 minutes total. So, so
1: you exercised yeah, you, in the Atlanta airport yeah. and then came back. You that yeah, was flew the to, point. to Atlanta for a workout. That <laughs> was the point.
2: It's really world-renowned. Yeah, for,
1: for some interval
3: sprint training. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and, and That's
2: good. Yeah. When I tweeted like, well, you know, I'm not going to Tulsa. I got all this sympathetic replies oh man that sucks oh wow wow, stressful so sorry to hear that and Josh tweets back and goes no <laughs> I, now I have to get a slice yeah exactly so all, this, all the tweets mm-hmm.
1: were sympathetic no. and except his which no. is about him is it all about me yeah. That's right. I mean, again, because I had to cancel this marching band, couldn't get a hold of the band director. Yeah, well,
3: let's just say uh, a down payment on a marching band. Yeah, there's no refund for that. So. No, and I, I'm not mad. I'm just saying that's the fact. No I had to matter. pull
1: from the podcast budget, yeah. which is limited as it is.
3: It's your own pocket. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And by the way, the deposit ain't cheap. So, no. but no, it's cool. It's cool. It's fine.
2: Um, okay. So hopefully I don't ruin the podcast. Okay. Uh, we actually have a great one planned for you. I'm, I'm coming in new to this. It sounds like a great show mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to be a part of. Later on, we talked to the band All the Bright Lights and also filmmaker Mark Landsman, who has a new uh, indie film out called Thunder Soul mm-hmm. uh, that's coming out uh, the day the podcast That's out. right. So Stay tuned for that. But up first, your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, September 27th. Wilco with The Whole Love. Is that a, a straight up new Wilco album? It's or straight up, or new wow. Wilco. It's right. been
0: streaming on NPR for like the last two weeks, I think. You see,
2: I'm not a Wilco guy. I mean, they were on our cover. Yeah, fascinating yeah. story.
0: <laughs> what they were? I, yeah, mean, I know, I know, but, I know. But that,
2: but you know, who fought for that? Adam Smith for years. Huh, really? Yeah. Since when he came here in like '06, he that was like his his like life's dream to get Wilco on our cover, and he worked on it, and three years later they were. Wow. Yeah. But I really like Yankee Hotel Foxtrot from
3: Yeah. But e- 03, e- even that's 02. kind of acquired taste.
2: Right, right. That, that Acquired taste, exactly. Yeah. Adam Adam's life was full of things that were acquired taste. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. That's why he's in New Zealand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right also coming out, Switchfoot uh, with Vice Versus. Uh, they are featured in the uh, new issue of Relevant. Mm-hmm.
1: They're also featured on ESPN.com, which is an interesting promotion. Uh-huh. Have you seen that? They're yeah. streaming their album. Have you? Is there any other band that's streamed their album through ESPN.com? Well, what's about. the connection? Well, I know that they've been used for the last couple of years to promote college football. So they splice their songs and music videos. Like this last week, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big OU fan. So the OU Florida State game. You know, they had a big Vice Versus uh, mm-hmm. promo going on where they were playing one of their songs and cutting to football highlights. And it's a pretty sweet deal if you're Switchfoot. Yeah. It's a it's a great brand promotion, I think. I think they just played on Kimmel the other night. They ago. did, two nights ago. But, yeah. but,
3: but let's just say you wouldn't see Wilco doing that.
1: Right, exactly. They're <laughs> kind of an acquired taste, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, well, this album, too, fits that even
2: better. I mean, their last stuff, or the, most of their stuff, has been, you know, rock, but pop, very pop, radio. Mm-hmm. I mean, this one kind of pushes it a little further. Musically, yeah. And so. it
0: kind of goes back to like oh two oh three alternative rock like Hoobastank ish. And I don't say that in a bad way. I don't know. <laughs> <I> <laughs> how know can you sounds- possibly I'm say I'm that sorry, in a good I'm sorry. way?
3: <laughs> Any reference to Hoobastank <laughs> makes me laugh. Are you kidding
0: me? I, how can you say it? You don't say that in a bad way. <laughs> that album defined 2002 for me. Yeah. I love that album back Were then. Were you an Incubus guy or a Hoobastank guy? I was a Hoobastank guy. Because I mean uh, that two kind totally of, different yeah, sides. Of the DJ time. or no Capulets yeah. and
2: the yeah whatever. I mean you're either I Mon- see. Mon- I was Mon- more Mon- of an Mon- incubus Mon- guy. Okay, I, Hoobastank to me was a derivative incubus. Yeah. Can
3: I say I was a neither guy? <laughs> you were.
2: You were like twelve were a welcome or guy. Wait, no, two. You were in college. You had to like Hoobastank or Incubus.
3: The, I I mean I was aware of them. I I just I just wouldn't say I was a fan of either one of those bands.
2: What were you listening
1: to in 02?
3: In O2 College I mean I listened to a lot of like switch, switch. Like pop punk And you know what I mean Like the Blink-182 like some, some,
1: 40, some 41 Some 41. 41 No I mean like And then The Offspring bands, Remember Blink-182 like, I
3: remember like bands yellow like Yellow Card O-Town and like, and like Jimmy World I liked a lot back then And I don't know. Maybe it's just the name Hoobstank makes me laugh. LFO. Yeah. Summer Summer Girl was just such... It was an anthem for 2000. <laughs> even in the winter. <laughs> even in the winter. I mean, because I do... I At the time, I liked girls who wore Abercrombie and Fitch, you know?
2: So. Uh, okay, so you know LFO. Speaking of LFO, uh, yeah, do you remember... I only remember the video of that one song. Do you remember the guy who had really big teeth? Yeah. Okay, you know... I, I saw him in Urban Outfitters last year. You did, yeah. He wasn't at an Abercrombie and Finch. No, he was shopping at Urban Outfitters. The irony. He's moved on. He moved on. But but he still. The reason why I knew who he was is his teeth. It was like <laughs> you just saw the teeth. Oh, coming. was, they,
1: he,
3: was, was like, he shopping there? or Was he working? There? No, he was shopping.
2: <laughs> he was shopping. <laughs> but his teeth were like a beacon. Yeah. Of, I'm like, what? Whoa, oh, oh, it's the LFO guy. Yeah, here in Urban Outfitters. Huh. <laughs> uh, Russia Fools is coming out with We Once Were. Dumb dumb girls with only in dreams, and for Jesse Carey, Blink One Eighty Two with <laughs> neighborhoods.
3: Hey, I'm not gonna lie, I really liked Blink One Eighty Two at, at a time.
2: Uh, movie releases coming out on Friday, September 30th, Fifty Fifty, starting Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen about cancer. Yeah, we'll making it it's a sense. comedy. It
1: looks good. It's a comedy, comedy about, about cancer, cancer. About which is a. It's about time. It is about
3: time. <laughs> <laughs> it does look good.
1: It, it does look yeah. It looks it's funny. like bringing sweet and sour together. Come on, it's gonna be Sour perfect. Patch Kids. Yeah. It's oh. it's everything you want in a candy and a movie. Uh,
2: what's your number uh, with Anna Ferris and Andy Samberg and Joel McHale?
1: It looks like it
0: could be really, really funny or one of the worst movies ever made. Well, uh, the latter, M- Much like everything Andy
1: Samberg's in. <laughs> but he's in it for like three yeah, seconds. Yeah, no, yeah. Like. Yeah. I can yeah. tell by the trailer, he's just one random yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It was he's like the when they said guy. Zach Galifianakis was in Up in the Air, and he was like in like a 15-second scene at the opening of the movie. Yeah.
1: Okay, so
2: that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices.
0: today's podcast is sponsored by cause life cause life is a movement dedicated to providing the most essential need of human life water you can join the movement and help bring sustainable clean water solutions to developing countries that can change lives and transform communities join the cause at causelife.org or you can visit us at catalyst water equals life
2: You're listening to Florence and the Machine. The song is Shake It Out. It's a great song. Love seeing them together.
3: I, I heard Florence uh, and the Machine broke up. I heard she's just Florence now.
2: Uh-huh. The Machine got
3: 50-50. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Machine's straight. going so low. <laughs> and they are raging. That's all I've heard. <laughs> The Machine's putting out this really No, no, no. It's no.
2: angry no, rage No, the Machine filled. isn't raging. That band is raging against the Machine. Yeah, no, yeah I I think Florence, Florence raged Florence, against the Machine.
1: It's Florence's album that yeah. would be the rage against yeah. the Machine. Yeah, right. Florence yeah. is right. now singing Renegades of Funk.
2: R- Florence well is going to be touring with Raging Against the Machine just well to stick it to them. done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that'll, to teach, to the that'll teach that Machine. <laughs> uh, at the just beginning wow. of the podcast, you heard Walk the Moon with Anna Sun. Uh, they're playing right now on Relevant FM. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse?
3: All right. Well, uh, you guys probably knew that this was coming. Uh, several people posted it on feedback. I also got a message on Facebook about it. Um, wow! And it's just it's it's right up our alley. It is uh, a gentleman who who works at some sort of uh historical photo archive place has put up a photo. He recently <laughs> took it down. Um, but, but he had it on there last week, a photo that is, uh, from the 1800s of a Confederate soldier that looks exactly like Nicolas Cage. And he says this photo is unequivocal proof that Nicolas Cage is a vampire <laughs> a, <laughs> not, or not some a, sort of undead being, I
2: was saying, but not a time traveler. He, he went straight for undead. Okay. Well,
3: uh, that's his assumption. Okay. Um, but, you know, for the small price of $1 million, which it is up for sale for, uh, you can have the photo in your possession and, and maybe get some answers. Um, I, I just love the arbitrary price of this. Like, he just assumes that someone would pay a million dollars for proof that Nicolas Cage is a vampire. Mm. And, I, I, you know, do we need a photo to have proof of that? See, here's the other. It does look exactly like him. But in my head, I kind of pictured him like this would be the perfect item. Like if I had, I, I wouldn't put this online. Like let's say I somehow came into possession of this photo before it, it blew up over the internet. I would go right to Pawn Stars. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they'd be like, well, well uh, let me ask you what, do you, what what are you looking to get for it today? Uh, I'm thinking a million. I want a million. Uh, well, luckily, I got an expert. I got a friend of mine, a buddy's going to come <laughs> down, who's, a, who's an expert on the undead. He'll take a look. And, and even the haggle, I couldn't wait for, you know? Yeah. I, think I, could, I think I could get the mill. The mill? I mean, if Nicolas Cage has a Bavarian castle, I think he would uh, like to have in his possession the, the photographic proof of his, uh, uh, you know, immortality.
2: Didn't he? Uh, ha- didn't he lose his castle in the uh, bankruptcy? Somebody bailed
0: him out. Really? Uh, Johnny Depp. No way.
3: Johnny what? Depp bailed him out.
0: <laughs> what? God. Look it up. I'm, I'm almost positive it, it was Johnny Depp. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. D- did you hear about the poker thing that happened? Did you hear
2: about Nick Cage? No. Yesterday.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. The Ponzi scheme. Yeah. The
2: you yes. uh, speaking of getting yes. bailed out yes. by famous? I don't know. Uh, I Pirates. don't know. <laughs> yesterday, you know, the online poker sites all got shut down six months ago. Yeah. Um yesterday the US Department of Justice said that full tilt poker dot com in particular was a massive Ponzi scheme. It was owned by um it was owned by some of the most famous poker players. The Howard, the Professor Letterer, right, right. Chris Jesus, guy, Jesus Ferguson. Jesus guy. Yeah, and several others. So real poker players owned it. Owned it, okay. In it, over the last Two and a half years, they paid themselves and the board $440 million <gasps> with players' money. So like, if you put your $100 into your little account and you won some hands, you had 150 or 75 that money was in their operations account and the company was spending it. <laughs> and so they were basically insolvent. Right, because you
4: can let your money sit there. And yeah, then-
2: like a bank account. And yeah. they literally said on the website in 08... Your, it's, your money is in a separate account from our operations account. That's your money, not ours. Don't worry about it. It's safe. And then the Department of Justice raided them and realized that they had less money in the account than what the players would be owed if everybody cashed out. It's why the banking system collapsed in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the the Department of Justice yesterday said it's a massive Ponzi scheme yeah. and basically everybody's going to jail. Yeah, And like all these famous poker famous players... poker players are going go to go jail? Yeah, like all these famous poker players. And so other famous poker players, like... Tom Dwan, Durr Mm -hmm. and different ones who, who were not owners, but you know, sponsored had were sponsored by them and by full tilt. Basically Tom Dwan last night went online and told everybody like, listen, I'm not, I didn't know about any of this, but I did make a million dollars from my association with the site and I will give that entire million dollars to people who lost money.
1: Like I, I don't want it. I'm going to send him an email. (laughs)
3: hey just just to let you know guy i lost uh between 10 and fifteen thousand.
1: yeah if you want to make this right i'll just just make it out to to
3: yeah just yeah make it out to cash yeah
1: Yeah, it's crazy it's crazy
2: i mean and i i mean like famous respected poker pros were like knowingly frauding everybody for the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars Mm -hmm. that's crazy crazy and then i'm like you know what but they're professional gamblers. So why am I surprised? I mean, you know
1: what I mean? It's, it's true. like Yeah. It's that like, personality y- type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just think, well, wow. And,
3: and I'm not trying to malign the good names of professional gamblers, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I mean, they're on an illegal, like if you're using, and I have a lot of buddies that play online poker, and I'm not like making a judgment call, but I'm just saying if you're using a, a site that you know is illegal, and putting financial information in there, you—I feel like at some point you probably understand there's some risk associated with that. Well,
2: it was—I mean, but it, there were like loophole things where all the banking situations were done in the Cayman Islands, so it—it yeah. it, it was not illegal for you to do a bank transaction with a bank in the Cayman Islands. Right. What would have been illegal is the Cayman Islands bank knowingly uh, uh, laundering money that you know. So
1: actually, it's the bank that would have been doing the illegal stuff, not the players. The players right, actually right. weren't doing anything wrong. But there's such large sums of money that Crazy. the players were getting. Like I heard that, I think it's Howard Letter still is owed like $60 million or something. Mm-hmm. Like for what? I don't, I mean that's, uh, I know I'm Phil, sure you... Phil Ivey had $9 million in his account
2: when it was seized. Nine, $9 million. I mean that, a lot of these guys, that's where they make their living because they could be playing 12 hands at once or online versus sitting in a, you know, I mean, it's 12 to 1, the, the pace of being able to make money.
1: Man, I was always nervous if the cards were, I mean, the whole thing was, was, uh, was rigged. So to have $9 million in a digital poker account, man, it's scary. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Next slice.
4: Moving on. Um, so apparently HBO recently did a documentary called Superheroes. And I guess it's kind of common for there to be real life superheroes among cities. I can't talk about There's one here. Yeah. It was on
2: the front page of the Sentinel.
4: Right. Yeah. I
3: I, I read an article about him. I think it was in Rolling Stone one time. And he was like, he was in Orlando.
4: His name is Master Legend.
2: Master Legend.
3: Yes.
4: Master Legend is his yeah. superhero name.
3: The, the one thing about the local ser- superheroes is they do lack some some bit of subtlety. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, like they, he chose two names: not Master, not Legend, but Master Legend. Master <laughs> Legend.
4: Apparently, he uh, roams the streets of downtown Orlando to keep people safe. Um, but since and full
2: outfit, cape, everything. Full outfit. Yeah.
4: He, he's forty-five years old. He didn't want his name to be. Uh, you know, post-written well, yeah, because he's got a, secret, he's got a identity. secret identity. Mm-hmm. But it does say he was featured on Rolling Stones um, and in this documentary. And in the
2: Rolling Stones.
4: On the cover of Rolling
3: Stone magazine. So, you're na- <laughs> so we've narrowed his identity <laughs> down to four people. <laughs> right. Yeah. right.
2: right, right. Yes. Um, it's Mick Jagger. Yeah. It's Mick Jagger. <laughs> it is.
4: Uh, but now, mostly people just want to take pictures with him because they recognize him from this documentary.
1: Well, what's crazy for me is I live downtown and I've never seen this guy, which I think... Kind of
3: and you create all, and you do all sorts of criminal activity. <laughs> I
1: do, I do. It, I think it communicates. He's doing a great job. Like, oh, because he's self. staying. Yeah. yeah. So sure. I'm confused that people are recognizing him because I think I would have seen him around, but I feel like he's hiding in the shadows. Yeah, we live
2: down there too, waiting.
1: And and I never for saw somebody. him. I, I know. I him. thought
3: this is. But but yeah, have you any of you guys ever been the victim of crime down there? No. no, we should stage Then obviously something. he's doing a pretty darn good job.
4: Anyways, apparently there's more than one, and they call themselves the Justice Crusaders.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Stop so it. there's more than one in Orlando? Yes. What? Oh my gosh, there's like a whole fleet. I could see
3: it in like a really crime-ridden, like, you know, urban, you know, like a, like a city that, that was once, you know, really nice and up and coming, but like, it's kind of, like you Cleveland, know, gotten Detroit or something.
2: Cleveland, Detroit, anything in the Rust Belt?
3: Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they. Uh, but, but you wouldn't think Orlando, the home of Disney World, is the home <laughs> to a team of crime fighters. Would
4: you like to know the names of the other yes, people? Yes, please, please. Yes. Seven spelled S E, the number seven V E N.
2: Wait, V E N. So there's a there's Says, a digit so it's really yeah, seven. And seven. the V. It's
4: the word seven with the, the number seven in the
1: middle. <laughs> but ins- I would do that instead of the V. Didn't he see mm. the movie no, Seven? No, the they, I think they replaced the V. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Maybe
3: yeah. it's for the illiterate.
1: So, 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 like,
3: let's say you can't read, but you know the number seven. You're going to get his name either, either way. way. Either right.
1: way. It gotcha. Wait, but, but that's what I'm saying. Take out the V.
4: Symbiote.
1: Use the seven. No, the licensing was taken.
4: And Purple Lotus. Purple, purple. Lotus. Purple Lotus.
1: Yeah. yeah. Isn't
4: that they, a yoga uh, move? They. I was going to say, I, <laughs> thought,
3: I thought that was that New Hip Sushi place.
1: I thought there. it's an indie band. Yeah. Purple Lotus. I thought I bought that lotion.
4: Yeah, he uh basically they they patrol downtown Orlando Wait, and they hand out you're purple buying lotions and water. Called purple Lotus. To the yeah,
1: I mean, have you ever wandered in Bath and Body Works no. and just thought, "I need to buy some lotion." And then you see no, like a name I've like, never wandered purple in Bath Lotus, and Body Works and, and you're like, back. "I want to know what that feels the like. The fragrance on my, draws you in. I want to know what that feels like on my calves." You've never thought that. Never once. Well, you need to get out more. You spend too much time in the Atlanta airport That's running true. running <laughs> around. Yeah, it's true. Um Purple so, Lotus Sesvin what was the other one? Sesven <laughs> uh, It's he's
2: Swedish. Um, <laughs> the, the Swedish superhero Cesvin.
4: Uh symbiote. S Y M B I O T E. Yes, yeah, sy- symbiote. Yeah. Symbiote. Anyone
5: else feel safer? And Master Legend.
2: Anyone feel safer in Orlando now? Or, or, do or do
3: you feel much more in danger?
2: <laughs> well, this is wasn't this the beginning of the second Batman movie where the the fake Batman were
3: Oh right, right.
2: Trying to you know. Mm-hmm. So
1: we're helping out. We're on the verge of something. The verge of something epic is going to go down. Yeah.
3: The real. Oh, I just got chills.
1: I've got a few. I got a few. Well,
3: I mean, it would make me feel much more dangerous knowing that not only are there regular criminals out on the streets, but there's weapon-wielding individuals in disguises that not only, uh, you know, probably have some social issues (laughs) if this is what they're doing, but they also. Completely lack any uh, tact or subtlety. Okay. Um, makes, that would make me feel much more. It in makes
4: danger. me want to dress up as a bad, a bad supervillain. Not to hurt up people, but to just to it, take them on and see
1: what their fighting skills are like. Yeah,
3: it makes me want to like go start committing some crimes just to see what, what I'm up against.
1: Uh, well, t- to go with Maya's, Maya's slice, um, it came out this week that uh, somebody had done some research on the 20 most miserable cities in America. Right All right? Really? So these That's are depressing. cities, clearly cities that don't have crime-fighting superheroes. Okay, so this is my point. I had a few slices. You would think. I wasn't sure which one I was going to play. <laughs> I'm going to play this one. number 19 most miserable city in America Orlando Florida that's right really right here we right living it and it's the reason why we need those crime fighters that's right
4: what makes it the most miserable yeah
1: what what what, traffic. what how do how do they
3: calculate misery um, traffic they mentioned the fact that it. we have
1: Disney and SeaWorld and Universal is what makes us miserable it's just the glut of <laughs> options I agree. it's yeah. the glut of yeah. entertainment yeah. options it, it,
3: it, it's so much happiness it
1: cancels each other out right. Right. yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's happiness uh, theme parks and buffets is what they point to the the amount of buffets oh, that we have here. points to Wait, wait, to why do we're they define
3: misery. misery as awesomeness? I'm, I don't, I don't get it.
1: <laughs> you would love to be miserable. Those
3: are things I only associate with very, very positive things. Like, it, like, like, if someone said, "Hey, we're going to a buffet tonight." Awesome! Hey, you want to go to amusement park? Yep. <laughs> I'm not thinking that sounds miserable. But see, here, here's my problem with stuff it's like that. It's the opposite of misery. This
2: person clearly did not leave International Drive. Right. You know, if yep. if, if a visitor comes at right. International Drive, whatever, they're like, "Wow, this place is full of tackiness yeah. Yeah. and buffets." Yeah. But that is not. That is a sliver of the city. Well, the. Uh, oh, go to, but, go,
3: but let me say this: Have you ever gone out with friends to International Drive that maybe are from out of town and had a bad time? Nope. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna, go play, I'm gonna go play pirate putt putt. Oh, that sounds. Good. Wait, it sounds awesome. There's, there's people dressed as pirates walking around. Okay. I'm gonna follow that up by going and getting a, a Sunday. The 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 size of a football. Oh, that sounds terrible. No, wait, that's awesome too. All right, well seven seven (laughs) to go to a house of wonderment that's upside down and has oddities from around the world. Totally miserable. Nope, sweet.
1: (laughs) Well, you're not gonna like
3: again. I want to go.
1: You're not gonna like the research uh, in general because the number one most miserable city, and most of this is financial related to unemployment. Oh yeah, employment. Okay, so it wasn't just the number of buffets. Right. So Las Vegas is the number yeah. one most miserable city mm. in America. I think I think you have a 50/50 shot in Las Vegas <laughs> about what
3: Vegas. it's It's That's either completely it's yeah, it's
1: it's a polarizing yeah. scale. There. It's either comedy or cancer for you. Yeah. I think they're. so
3: it,
2: it,
1: yeah, it I mean really in, in Las Vegas, yeah. I mean it's it's sweltering. It's like an oven. There's yeah, you've lost your house. 7 of the 20 most miserable cities in America are here in Florida, basically. Really? This thing. Nuh-uh. Yeah, more than California more of the cities than California. We, we have become OK, so they're, they're really looking at the housing market. We've then. become the South Dakota of, of, <laughs> the of America. Yeah.
3: <laughs> one, one, yeah, Once again, I, yeah. I really I would just have a hard time seeing how they're getting these numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I, or if misery is the right word. Miser- how about economically depressed, you know? But miserable like miserable. I said, when you have all that stuff in your backyard, it's hard to be miserable. You can't be more miserable. (laughs) At at any point in Orlando, you could be walking around and you could have a pretty bad day. And you're like, at least I'm not the guy dressed up uh, like Jack Sparrow in like those 16 layers in 120 degree uh, heat handing out golf balls at the putt putt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm not more miserable than that guy because that looks terrible. His his eye makeup is running right now. <laughs> That's how hot it is. He's sweating his Jack Sparrow eye makeup. Okay,
1: would you rather be that, that guy's guy miserable than me? Okay, would you rather is that guy more miserable than the Liberty Mutual guy on the corner spinning the sign with oh. his iPod ear earplugs in? Which oh, which look, guy's more miserable? That
3: guy. That guy honestly looks like he's having the time of his life. <laughs> okay, yeah. right. or the
0: Metro PCS guy. Yep, <laughs> same thing. Thing. Yep.
3: The, some of those sign moves. I got to admit, when I'm sitting at a stoplight and they're just like going at it, like flipping it around, I'm actually pretty impressed. I can't. It's I can like you know, I I, ha- I have no need for a tax service. Uh, you know, my <laughs> wife's an accountant, but I will. I think about going there and just writing them a check for how much is their service? I don't need it. I just appreciate the show you're putting on over
1: there at the intersection.
2: Yeah, it's good. Put a tip jar. Do you mind? Do you remember last time we were at the uh, Pirate putt Put? Put? down there years ago? I mean, this had been like 01, 02, 03. We
0: saw Chris Kirkpatrick. Chris
2: Kirkpatrick from uh, Sync was there. Yeah,
0: just hanging out. Was he working? He was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was uh, he, he was Jack Sparrow?
2: <laughs> it was, he was there. It was the strangest thing. It was, it was fat Chris Kirkpatrick, uh, very large, and he was wearing uh, jeans carpenter shorts. Mm-hmm. Remember, like, like J.C. Penney's jeans, carpeting. You're
3: referring to jorts.
2: Jorts. He was
3: wearing jorts. Fat Chris Kirkpatrick was wearing jorts. Well, can I can I tell you one more reason why Orlando isn't miserable?
4: Yes, Jesse. Why?
3: because uh, th- there's another place. I didn't even live on I-Drive when I was down there, but for a brief time back in uh, the, the intern days, me and the guys lived near a, a putt-putt place that had baby alligators, right? That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Okay, if you're having a bad day, it doesn't matter how bad your day is, and someone's like, hey, listen, I know this putt-putt place where you can play $2 to give you a Ziploc bag full of hot dogs and a stick that you can put them on and feed alligators. <laughs> <laughs> My day just got a heck of a lot better. Uh, That's true. I mean, little cut of hot dogs for two dollars. You feed alligators. What other city is going to offer that? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Did you ever go to? Not gator- miserable. That is not something miserable to do. It's actually really awesome. So, did, did
2: you go to Gatorland ever while you were here? Yes. Another
3: reason. <laughs> yeah, we went
4: for Tia's
2: birthday. That's right.
3: Yeah. Hey, you, you want you want to see a four hundred pound alligator get some sweet air for some rancid chicken meat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go.
2: This this place is crazy. The, the the They have the Gator Jumperoo Show, and they, they basically have this big lake of 200 gators, and uh, you stand on this railing around it, mm-hmm. and they take this tether, this line, and they put raw chickens, and they just hang them 10, 12, 15 feet above the lake, and these gators somehow jump 15
1: feet in the air, and they... Uh, and they eat the chicken. It's very entertaining. It's 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 my favorite theme park. It's like it's, tw- it's twenty five bucks for two hours. Yeah, you're not yeah. even there two hours. No, Come on, no. It's but man, that's fun to watch. Jesse, a- what? A- a- yeah, everyone I mean, that works there looks like Billy the Exterminator. That's
4: <laughs> when we went, and Jesse got a stick. Yeah, and then you was got the stick with, with the gator? And it yeah,
3: kicked. it thought it was feeding time. Okay. Yeah. so so we're in the back.
2: The backpack and like there's these trails where you can just kind of like explore. And yeah. we came upon different <laughs> gator habitats. Yeah. And right. they were all behind walls mm-hmm. or big, large glass walls. Well, Jesse was rooting around in the woods and found a big stick. Like It was a, a big old stick. Like, like 12, 15 foot stick. And he starts to I mean, there's nobody around. Right. So he starts messing with the gator with, this, with the like big poking, stick. Like poking the gator?
4: No, just putting the stick up really high and yeah. the gator I was using it, it. I, was make, I was making a joke so he like hey up. check
3: out the enormity of this walking stick yeah, yeah. to the gator
2: yeah. yeah he was talking to the gator
4: and all of a sudden the gator jumps at it thinking that there's d- food on jumps it
2: jumps out of the water like 10-12 feet up oh. against the, the glass wall because he thought that there was Jesse. food on the end of it and Jesse was going to feed him and apparently they used this big stick to feed the gator
1: he's like a trainer
2: yeah. So exactly. Jesse turned into train ro- yeah. and then other people were walking around and he started doing little gator shows
1: for everybody.
3: Yeah. I was like the gator whisperer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you you referenced Billy the exterminator a second ago. I, I we've we've joked about him. I, I've not actually physically seen him before until last night. Did you watch it? I, I watched a few minutes of it. I, Did you
3: see that gator stuck in the drain pipe that he lassoed?
1: No, I missed that one. But the sunglasses... Oh, man, it was tense. Hold on, hold on. The sunglasses that he wears, I, I, there aren't words to describe what I saw <laughs> over the course of five minutes on television. It was crazy. It,
3: it, okay, here's here's what it is. If you took, like, a skinny Steve Irwin with, with like, a mullet um, and, uh, you know, sort of a redneck pass and a Hot Topic... The gothic section of a hot topic from like six years ago Hold threw on. up on it. Him. And mix it with Billy ability
1: to exterminate. Mix a little Christian illusionist in there. And <laughs> yeah, I think that exactly. that's what you get.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, his his affliction style cowboy hat. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, I, oh, I guess that's it for slices.
2: <laughs> Man, that, that was great. That, uh, there you go. All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned up next. All the bright lights. to Atlas Genius. The song is Trojans. Well, if you've seen John Mark McMillan uh, play in concert, um, you've seen All the Bright Lights. Uh, Not only do they usually open for John, uh, right now they're also um, collaborating with him as his backing band. Um, But All the Bright Lights is brothers James and John Duke, along with uh, Jacob Arnold, they make a post-rock sound in the vein of uh, Ros and Explosions in the Sky. Um, they are finishing work on their next album right now. Uh, the band recently partnered with the Story Conference to launch a new film piece, and their brand-new single, Still Beating, has just been released on iTunes. Uh, they also have a full-length self-titled album available. They're out on tour right now with John Mark. Our very own Elise Gilligan recently spoke to them. Here is All the Bright Lights.
5: all the bright lights you primarily do instrumental post-rock music and when i talk to most musicians some of them have to have lyrics as a starting point or as their finish line in the songwriting process but when you're writing primarily instrumental music what does that creative process look like for you
6: most most of the times we would individually kind of write on our own and then we would get in a room together get in the studio together and kind of show our, our ideas to each other, and a lot of times combine them. There, there are some vocals, so sometimes for me, I'll start out with like a vocal idea, and bring it to James, and he'll he will uh, kind of write some instrumental stuff around it. But uh, yeah, a lot of the times, it's it's us combining ideas.
7: With the new song, we went in to the studio together, and we had we each had a couple of different ideas. And so we started showing them to each other. And the first part of the new song, "Still Beating," starts off. The song starts off with John singing, so so he he kind of had that part already. And I he had played that for me a couple months ago, and I, I already really liked it. And so I then I had the next couple pieces, and he had another piece. And so we were trying to decide what what we wanted to do, what we were going to pick, and decide to hit to record and then we just sort of said, well, why don't we just make it all one big thing? And so we took all the ideas and then sort of tried to find a a common ground musically for them.
5: you guys um, about worship because you write and perform worship both with John Mark McMillan and then with All the Bright Lights which are very different feels where John Mark McMillan is um, this very vivid and uh, kind of raw approach to worship especially through the lyrics and then All the Bright Lights is is primarily instrumental but also has this very reverent feel to it so I guess I'm wondering when it comes to a worship context do you find it easier or more difficult to communicate uh, through song without lyrics?
6: Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. I think a lot of times I, I think you can express yourself better or at least I can with music because it's, it lets the listener just kind of not have to think not have to think about the words or, or anything and just kind of they can get their own thoughts and it's a different it can be a different response for everyone who's listening to it. That's really what we want to
7: do. We want to we make music that that people can play and that they can carry on with their lives in and not and just make it like a soundtrack for whoever's listening for their life that day you know and so that's, that's our goal anyway
5: It definitely seems like there's been a rise in that style of music, too, just that that cinematic post-rock genre has grown, especially with bands like Explosions in the Sky. Um, Why do you think it is that this genre resonates with listeners so much?
7: I think because um, it just makes you feel something. And sometimes the lyrical-based music, which, you know, I, I don't really listen to a lot of other instrumental style music. I do listen to a little bit but so uh, most of the music I listen to is lyric based but I I think one advantage of having a primarily instrumental kind of ambient like you were saying kind of music is it doesn't tell you what to think and it's not telling you what what to feel it's just allowing you to think and allowing you to feel I think I, I don't know maybe just right now that's really important for people it's important for me anyway.
5: Given your, your music background and the career that you're building, and um, having these two projects right now working with John Mark, and then also developing your sound with All the Bright Lights, Um, What is your goal for All The Bright Lights? If you look ahead into the future, what is it you hope to accomplish through this music?
6: Just keep making records, keep making music, and hopefully people will keep liking it. We don't have a five-year plan. We just kind of take it day at a time. But yeah, we want to just keep recording every chance we get and hopefully play some more shows and do some tours and um, just kind of see where it goes. The good thing I think that we
7: have with All The Bright Lights is that we made this to be our outlet, and so we're real protective of that. And so, that's our goal is to always have something that we can we can we can do that we can express ourselves how we want without any rules or anything. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep doing that. So we're gonna keep doing. it.
2: That was all the bright lights. Check them out at allthebrightlights.com.
3: You're
2: listening to Blitz and Trapper. Uh, the song is Might Find It Cheap, and it's playing right now on Relevant FM. Mark Landsman is an LA-based independent filmmaker um, whose brand-new feature-length documentary is called Thundersoul. Uh, it comes out today, and it's, uh, it's about the extraordinary reunion of the legendary Kashmir Stage Band. Uh, the film had its world premiere at, the, at last year's South by Southwest Film Festival, where it won an audience award for Best Feature Documentary. Thunder Soul follows the alumni from Houston's storied Cashmere High School Stage Band, who return home after 35 years to play a tribute concert for the 92-year-old Prof, their beloved band leader, who broke the color barrier and transformed the school's struggling jazz band into a world-class funk powerhouse in the early 70s. Mark Landsman was a producer and director for Morgan Spurlock's award-winning documentary uh, TV series, 30 Days. As well as many other programs on Sundance, uh, A&E, Discovery, and others. Film comes out today, September 23rd, and you can find out more at thundersoulmovie.com. Here is Mark Landsman,
1: Conrad Johnson decided to change what people expected from a high school band in the 70s when he replaced the traditional band standards with funk and jazz. Was it the music that struck people as groundbreaking or or was it the way he went about doing it?
8: it was a combination of both. Um, at the time, you know, musically speaking, uh, the bands were playing a predominantly watered-down jazz. I mean, it was still big band music. It was your Glenn Miller, Tommy Dorsey, uh, Ellington, um, but it was played, you know, filtered through your sort of traditional high school uh, stage band filter. Um, uh, you know, what Conrad Johnson did is that he recognized what was inspiring his young people in their moment in time, you know, Prof was trained in the big band era, and he grew up, you know, uh, you know, playing Duke Ellington, and, and he was in the Jimmy Lunsford band, and he had offers to play with the Erskine Hawkins Orchestra. I mean, he was of the big band era, but he very much recognized that at the dawn of the '70s, the musical influence that was that was lighting his kids up was funk. And so instead of shying away from where they were in the present moment, he embraced it and he, and he, inched, he wove it into the fabric of their music so that their sound was, was not only their own, but it was completely unique. It was different than what anybody else was playing. The other thing that was really brilliant about him in terms of his inspiration is that um, all the other bands were stationary while they played. They, they stood still while they played their music, but Prof recognized that his young people were literally being moved by their music the spirit was moving them and so he allowed them to choreograph very elaborate dance moves to their with their instruments and they became not only a great stage band a, a great jazz band but a but a, a great show band so he brought the show as well which was totally unprecedented at the time
1: Your documentary obviously points out the significant um, disparity, you know, that was going on between blacks and whites when it when it comes to these kinds of stage bands. Um, what role did race play in this as, as this was one of the first emerging kind of all-black stage bands that was coming there out of the 70s?
8: Well... One, one need only look at the time period and the sort of and, and, and the geography, you know, this was the, this was the dawn of the 70s in the south this was the, this was Texas in the dawn of the 70s, you know, just fresh out of the civil rights movement, and you have the Conrad, you have this, the Cashmere stage band being invited to perform in Mobile, Alabama at the very same time that George Wallace is in the state house, you know, a, a, an, an overtly segregationist governor. Right. So, you know, what role did race play in it? One, w- w- one would say a lot, you know, you, know, you know, one would say a significant role, um, you know, um, but, you know, the beauty of what they did is that, that they transcended race. I mean, their music really just moved people and touched people and inspired people of, of all backgrounds of all colors and you know when they played people would literally stand up and 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 rush the stage um so so you know, you had you had um i don't know you just had a spirit moving through this band that that i guess uh you could just say transcended uh, you know sort of external forces at the time
1: How does the film speak to every human's desire to leave a legacy that will be remembered by others, like someone like Prof. experienced?
8: Because I think we all want somebody who who sees us for our potential, who can see that you know no matter where we are in the present moment, whatever we're exhibiting uh, behaviors or whatever, that underneath that there's something deeper in us. There's a there's a, there's a creative spirit. There's a desire to express ourselves creatively, to express our humanity. You know, through music and art is, you know, music and art happens to be, you know, one of the most profound ways to do that. And that's the way that Prof. did it. And so I think this is relevant to anybody universally because that's a very human desire and that's a very human inspiration. Um, and, you know, um so, so I think that's that's the legacy of the film. Hopefully, that you know, instilling in a young person at a very crucial time in their in their development, that that you see their gifts, that you're that you recognize them, and that and, and that you believe in them, and you want to foster those gifts. You know, that's uh, that's that's vital. You know, and that's universal.
1: How did, how did this project influence you or affect you or change you in some way, you know, as opposed to others that you've been involved in in the past?
8: You know, this project changed my life. Um, I actually was just sitting in my office in Los Angeles sort of looking for a story and, you know, this like lightning bolt of music came through my radio. I was listening to NPR, public radio. I'm a total radio, public radio junkie. And this, this story found me. I mean, I heard this music. I got chills. I, got, I got, literally got goosebumps. And I Googled every... As I was listening to Prof talking about the story, I, I Googled his name and, and every Conrad Johnson in the Houston phone book. And I was able to get his phone number And, you know, spoke to him and then, you know, suddenly I found myself buying a plane ticket and getting on the plane and going to Houston and meeting with him. And, you know, while I was there, you know, finding out about the reunion, I mean, it just all kind of, you know, it it just was like a wave, you know, that we just kept, we just kept riding. And, you know, I think if anything, the lesson in that is just trust, you know, when a wave like that comes, trust that, you know. Trust that you can be taken by it and 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 go with it, you know, because it's going to lead you to places you could never have imagined you would go, and that's definitely. I mean, the fact that I'm sitting here with you today, and I heard that story in 2006, you know, that's that's quite a wave, you know.
2: That was Mark Landsman. Check out Thunder Soul in theaters now or find out more at thundersoulmovie.com. You're listening to low line the song is outside well it's time for feedback last week, we asked you to tell us your least favorite quarterback and what he should be endorsing. the NFL season is upon us, and uh Maya and I were watching you know the first week and uh and saw a lot of ads for uh Tom Brady wearing manogs so uh it got us thinking, and,
4: and I tweeted this out, and everyone's like, "There's no such thing as man hugs." We're like,
2: "Watch some football." Uh, we I had I had uh, week one of uh, NFL or week two of NFL. Maya, for some reason, like looked at our Amex bill. And she goes, "Why is DirecTV so much?" Yeah, we looked. They they renewed us for NFL Sunday Ticket and didn't tell us, didn't uh-huh. notify us. I thought it
3: was free this year. No, no, no. No, that's free you, if
2: new service new if you service. set up for new yeah. service.
1: So you're on your uh, second year. So,
2: I'm, yeah, year two. That happened to me
1: a few years ago. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and 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 so I went and I checked and, whoop, well, there's all the games. I'm yeah. like, oh, man. So I call or, or I go online and it says you can't cancel it online. You have to call. So I called and I'm like, hey, you guys never notified us. I didn't want this again. It was a lot of money last year. Yeah. I didn't watch it as yeah. much. Yeah. I don't want it. Cancel it, please. And give me a refund. And, and they're like, yeah, we can't do that once the season starts. Wow. And I'm like, okay, that's freaking shady. Yeah, that is shady. So I tweeted, DirecTV is shady. You know, and I said what happened. And all these people, a couple people were like, it's your own fault. And, and, and a, couple, a lot of people were like, yeah, that happened to us. And uh-huh. DirecTV tweets me back. And then you know a couple of tweets back and forth. They're like, well, can we call you? I was like, no, I already talked to you guys once. And you say, you can email me if you can solve it, but I'm not, I'm over it, you know? And uh, next thing I know, I got an email, full refund. They canceled it. Da, 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 da.
1: That's incredible.
2: So wow. I think this is a bad trend for America that, 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 that companies. So, so the, the glass half full is, wow, look at that. Right. You know, they're trying to get, you know, protect their, or they're trying to make their customers happy and that's great for them. I think it's bad for America because it's feeding a system where the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And I, the, when I call and I'm calm and I'm happy and I, just, I'm a, I like their service, I just take care of me as a customer. No, they don't do that. But when I complain vocally to 11,000 people, oh, that's when they help me out. That is a bad direction for America to go. Well,
3: well you know what it reminds me of? And, and a lot of times when I hear scenarios, I often think of a Seinfeld episode. That mirrors it. When the Kenny Rogers chicken, yeah, moved in across the street yeah. from Kramer, and the neon light was driving him insane through his window, and they wouldn't do any. He 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 asked them to 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 turn off the light, and he had to go out there with signs that said, "Don't eat the chicken; it'll mess you up."
2: <laughs> bad chicken. Bad That's a
3: bad chicken. That chicken'll mess you up.
2: So it's the Twitter of the '90s. He hung a huge sheet sign out yeah. of his window yeah, that's yeah. the twitter of the 90s but that's what you're right that's what it is why, why is it that the big negative vocal you know complainers get their problems get solved but if you try to do it calmly
1: you know i i think this is a good time to bring up the fact that there are some people that uh tweet things uh and put things out there publicly and they don't think we're paying attention. Right. A couple weeks ago um, our good friend John Acuff uh, as, as we talked about on our podcast um, just randomly dropped the phrase you know uh, something about the ones and twos right right we mentioned that yeah we mentioned that um, and that's something that you you know reference it's a, every it's a week. phrase that
2: I coined back in 1983 right uh, when I was <laughs> a b-boy you're actually owed
1: Bro- a royalty for every
3: time someone well, mentions yeah it, it, run, it, run run DMC do all know that but you're owed you're owed about a nickel and a half I was yes, interning
2: for right? run DMC uh-huh. I was in the b-boy co- culture in Brooklyn uh-huh. and and, uh, this is pre-Aerosmith
0: and, and coined the phrase ones and 2s uh-huh. And my license plate now says ones and twos on it.
2: Oh,
3: right, right. That would so be, that would be So awesome. <laughs> this so is a this is a week,
1: <laughs> this is a weekly reference that you have when you talk about Chad. Um, so that was that was last week. Right. And then this this last week once our podcast came out we had uh, we had referenced something else on Je- our podcast. Jesse had a whole thing going. Jesse about. had a whole thing about Bruce Willis um and Jesse specifically said I like to regularly joke about things that have nothing to do with The Sixth Sense or Bruce Willis. Right. And I like to just joke about, you know, if, if I'm watching a movie or something uh, and just kind of try to ruin it, I'll walk into a room and say, you know, Bruce Willis is dead in the end. And so this last week, our friend John A. Cuff, back-to-back weeks referencing something in a podcast, says that uh, something about uh, the movie The Help and uh, that Bruce Willis dies in the end. Yeah. And did he really? That's two weeks <laughs> in a he, row. Did he really? And did I want to put really? I want to put John Acuff on blast. That's oh, right. Dude, put him on blast. Hi How I am you doing? I am calling him out. I am asking him. <laughs> wow. I'm asking him to please explain himself. Because oh no! This Come podcast on. means too much to me. To too many people. <laughs> to too many other people as well. For him, uh, I, first of all, I thought and we worked really
4: hard to come with our own material.
3: Exactly, I thought
4: <laughs> John I, yeah, I
1: wrote really his hard to come up with stuff on the fly. I, <laughs> I thought John wrote with, his with own zero
3: preparation.
1: He's got all these followers, written you know books. I people think he's funny. I don't know if he's writing any of his own material now. Oh, I, I'm just wow. putting You're it out calling there. Him out. Come wow, come on! I said <laughs> putting him on blast. <laughs> wow, come on. Yeah. So anyway, I just I want to step in on behalf of Jesse and just say, John, I th- I think you need to answer for yourself. Oh wow! That's if awesome. he starts tweeting this week about you know miserable buffet lines and things <laughs> yeah. like that, oh my
3: god! Yeah, gosh. we'll know
1: it's on. Oh my god, dude!
3: So so you're saying as of now he's officially on blast.
1: I I I'm putting it out there, he's on blast and. uh I don't even know what that means, but he's on it. <laughs> he's honest. He's on the well, list. You don't
3: want to be on blast. No, you don't. He's you on sure the sure list. You, uh-uh. be- you
2: know, in the early days of Twitter, you could find somebody random who was like funny, mm-hmm. and they oh, they only have like eight hundred followers. So uh-huh. you know, you, and you had way more than that. I I would see people steal jokes, like not crediting it. You know, they would. Yeah. They, but now, I mean, the real funny people have a ton of followers. You just can't. You can't get away with anything. Right. Right. Like I feel like maybe the John listens but subconsciously the humor just resonates and sticks to him so a he little bit. So he
1: thinks he doesn't he's not intentionally I don't think he's intentionally ripping it off but yeah. I think
2: like oh that was funny and it's just in the back of his mind and then a couple days later it just comes out in yeah. his own you know what I'm saying Yeah. because I kind of think like he doesn't realize, like he has eighty thousand Twitter followers. We have seventy five thousand listeners, and yeah. there's probably a whole lot of overlap. Yeah. So you know the people are hearing the joke, and then they see him do it. I don't think he realizes that there's actually probably some people who are catching this too mm-hmm. outside of you. Right. Right.
7: Um, but uh,
2: so the the bottom line, the lesson, in the story here is, it's better to email in or post on the podcast episode page your mm-hmm. feedback rather yeah. than tweeting it to yeah. us, even though we're watching. Even though we are monitoring, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: we're always watching and listening.
2: Okay, so uh, it's time for your feedback. Last week, you know, I mentioned we asked you uh, to tell us your least favorite quarterback and what he should be endorsing. You went over to the podcast episode page uh, at
1: relevantmagazine.com and posted your replies, and a few of you tweeted us. Uh, here they are. Uh, say Whatsky says uh, well this is a no brainer tony romo endorsing tony roma's because his ribs <laughs> are so tender <laughs> oh, 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 oh. i like that that's i mean a really i think it's one. i think it's that's just really well done
3: that is well <laughs> done, that, that is well done. And, and hey listen i, I got i'm not a romo fan but props i mean he played with broken ribs and a punctured lung
1: i, I mean people knew about and, the and, ribs and, but the punctured lung that's next level yeah,
3: that is next level. And you know what? I think there would be nothing I would uh, like no better way to express my appreciation than to eat ribs that are sponsored by him.
4: <laughs> um, I like T-Money 9000. He says, I don't know anything about football, but but how good was Keanu Reeves and the replacements? Pretty legit. <laughs> <It's>
2: <laughs> timely. Stay Parks 81 uh, it says Jay Cutler should be endorsed by Guitar Hero. Because he keeps throwing picks into a large crowd. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I, I, that,
3: that's the best one. I'm going to go that far to say.
2: Um, okay, well that'll do it for last week's feedback. It's time for this week's.
7: Editorial question of the week. <laughs>
2: well, earlier in the podcast, we brought you breaking news out of Orlando, <laughs> Orlando, <laughs> Orlando Florida, <laughs> that we have a, that was Maya. a apparently a <laughs> that shadow was a shadowy <laughs> <Pretty> crime <good. laughs> syndicate uh, running the city. And the need for a Justice League presented itself. And (laughs) thankfully, some concerned citizens stepped up to the plate. Uh, It got us thinking.
4: Justice Crusaders, by the way. Uh,
2: Justice Crusaders, sorry. Uh, Maybe we should join the League. Maybe you all should join the League. Mm -hmm. Maybe you all should join or start your own Justice Crusaders League in your own
1: city. I don't know why I hadn't thought about this before. Yeah. So, so sure. it seems like nothing could go wrong. No, no so, it's brilliant. And so, because you can do a citizen's arrest. Yeah, you can.
2: You can. You can pull over deputy sheriffs if they uh, off duty do U turns. Yeah.
1: Um, That'd be fun. Put your cape on. Try to just chase them down. Just chase a cop with a cape and just see what it's happens. It's almost Halloween. Yeah, Would
4: it be good. Good chicken for outfits right now.
1: Post it on
2: YouTube. I actually, send it in feedback. I always wanted to. I wanted somebody someday to pull over an off duty cop who's speeding. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they abuse that car. You know, the power of that car. You know, like, I know you're wearing, you're wearing civvies the guy, in there. No, you're he, not no, he, on he's, duty. He's coaching Little League. He's late. I know. That's what I'm saying. You <laughs> right. should, you're not uh, again, above the law. Again,
3: what could go wrong doing that? <laughs> yeah, right. right. Anyway, anyway,
2: okay. So we want to know from you, if you were to be, join a Justice Crusade League in mm-hmm. your city, what, who would you be? Your, what, what would your name be? What yeah. would your name be? Your persona and what would your specialty be? Hmm. I, I, as far as like uh, where you could look for for name ideas, uh, Josh pointed out
1: apparently bath and body works is mm-hmm. full of some <laughs> good name options. I, I think if you, look to, if you look to if you look to soaps, to find soaps and jelly beans as names of things uh, to inspire you. Okay, well, I'm I'm gonna go as Jelly Belly. Okay, I mean that's just <laughs> <laughs> that's just obvious. I think
3: to
2: to choose from for any. Of I'm us. not quick, uh-huh. but uh, if I cornered you, mm-hmm. you'd have a hard time getting around me. That's a great superpower, <laughs> the Jelly Belly. I,
3: I I'm I just went to the Bath and Body website. Uh, tangled Orange. Ooh, mm.
1: ooh, it sounds zesty. I think that's the name of an episode. Of, I mean, that's just that, that, that's what you, you do, use to describe the events of capturing We should name people. podcast episodes. Like, literally, the podcast
2: description, in quotes, says, mm-hmm. like, zesty orange. And then, <laughs> and then it just says, you know, a description of what happened That yeah. It was just like when you're in DirecTV info on the guide. Yeah. Like friends, like the yeah, one with. The, the one with. Well, except it would be all names of yeah. uh, soaps. Cucumber melon. The cucumber melon episode. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah.
3: The white citrus. Yeah. (laughs) Warm vanilla sugar. Oh, that was a good one.
2: (laughs) Warm vanilla sugar would not make a good superhero name. Them.
3: this one's called the gang thinks
1: of superhero names <laughs> citrus you just add citrus at the citrus. end of it. yeah you say whatever you want but, and then end it with something that makes it feel so but, but it would be like multiple s's mm-hmm. and an exclamation point mm-hmm. like citrus Superhero Like Chaz
2: Bono. This is Superhero I think Citrus. I, it's like three Z's in it on, the, on the name, Chaz mm-hmm. Bono, right? I so. and, and I think he's like, Chaz. And he does like
1: uh, Chaz j- hands? jazz hands. He does Chaz, Chaz hands. hands every time hands. he says his name. Chaz
3: hands. Chaz. <laughs> Chaz. Yeah.
1: You know how many people just listening to that just threw their hands up? <laughs> they, everybody did. You everybody know they did. did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Put your hands back on the steering wheel, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any? Superhero name? Yeah.
4: Mm-mm.
1: You have your dancer
2: name. You could resurrect that. What's your dancer name? Sugar. What? originally
4: originally sugar and spice okay yeah. now things are getting weird yeah. i mean i'm
1: sure that's normal in your world <laughs> but out here in 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 mainstream america when I, when, when i you, met her she was sugar and spice when there's a dance that would be name.
3: an awesome superhero name <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> because it's almost like two face you know what I mean? exactly it's like,
3: it's like the, w- you catch the criminal and you're like i can either let you go with a warning and be sweet like sugar <laughs> or you could be in real trouble like spice and you hit him right in the face
4: <laughs> yeah, sugar. yeah. I was because I'm super sweet, but when I'm dance I'm spicy. Oh, that, was my, that was my. This is like an. That evo- was my, uh, this is description. Aimer. And then I went down just to sugar because we signed okay. a lot of autographs. and yeah. it took too long.
1: Okay. Wow, this you seems know, like
4: I like that. That's
0: My how fans. that's what made you change your name. It was because it was. the autograph signings were too long. <laughs> was that the
1: I, narrative of <laughs> Sucker Punch? I don't know. It just <laughs> seems yeah, slightly so. All right, so go
2: over to the podcast <laughs> episode page at relevantmagazine.com and post <laughs> your uh, superhero names and uh, and specialty. Uh, there, maybe you, we can maybe we can literally form a justice crusade syndicate all around the country, and just with podcasts. And listeners. then I think
1: we create trading cards. There is a whole business to create Let's out of this. this. But I want to know how people are going to protect their city. Right? There is a lot of miserable right. cities. At least kind 20, 20 of
3: crimes they're going to fight. It, it
1: basically, if your city has a buffet, mm-hmm. it needs a justice crusade league. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jesse would disagree. I would not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, ironically,
2: I, I uh, developed my character, Jelly Belly, at a buffet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the years.
3: Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, is pertinent. You train at the buffet. Yeah. 13
4: meat buffets. It's
3: where it's I, like your bat cave <laughs> <versus> the buffet.
2: <laughs> the Golden Corral. Your
3: fortress of, your fortress of
1: solitude crowd. is the old country buffet. <laughs> Yeah. the golden corral is my headquarters i yeah. like that i'll be honest i do see commercials for the golden corral and they describe like all this food and then they put a price up and i'm like that is incredible i mean that is like <laughs> well, super all, all the food you're is...
3: telling me i can eat six sirloin steaks for 5.99 along with all the
2: other crap that's i that's amazing want. on that note uh <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to uh, All the Bright Lights. You can check them out at allthebrightlights.com. And also, uh, thank you to Mark Landsman uh, for talking to us. Uh, his uh, new film is called Thundersoul, and it's out now. You can find out more at thundersoulmovie.com. On that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang.
4: I'm Sugar and Spice.
2: I'm Josh <laughs> Lewand.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: And I'm not sure what to say
8: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, thanks to our friend John Aka for listening that's Chad Michael Snavely on the ones and twos we'll see you next week
0: Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. Hey, you, you want
3: you wanna see a four hundred pound alligator get some sweet air for some rancid chicken meat? Yeah.